Welcome to another episode of the Worklife Podcast. To find out more about the Worklife Hub and to listen to other episodes, please go to www.worklifehub.com. Welcome to another episode of the Worklife Hub Podcast. I am your host, Agnes Uheretsky. If this is the first time that you are tuning in, let me just say a few words about this podcast. We speak to authors, researchers, business thought leaders, for them to share their knowledge and insight on work-life balance, leadership, culture change and organizational development. In our work at the Worklife Hub, we help companies reform their workplace to create a culture that embraces diversity and work-life balance. We are passionate about building vibrant and engaging workplaces that are great for employees and customers. If you would like to get in touch with us, you can do this via Twitter at WorkLifeHub, on our LinkedIn page or on our website. We're always happy to hear how you like the podcast or any other ideas that you would like to share with us. And now, on with the show. Welcome to the listeners of the Work Life Podcast. This is your host, Agnes, and I have today the great privilege and pleasure to be joined via Skype by Sarah Jackson. Hello, Sarah. Hello, Agnes. Sarah Jackson, OBE, is the chief executive of Working Families, and she has led work-life balance campaigns and culture change for over 20 years. Sarah is an acknowledged expert and has worked on pushing for positive change in the way working parents and carers can really benefit from and request flexible working, maternity and paternity leave and father's rights at work. So we will be uh, speaking to Sarah mainly about the one year anniversary of the new shared parental leave um, legislation in the UK. But before we do that, Sarah, may I just ask you to uh, give listeners a little bit more insight into your passions and your role and, and how you got to being the chief exec of Working Families? I got here um, because in 1994, my elder child was three, so she's 25 now. Um, and I joined what was then called the Working Mothers Association as the chief executive on a 30-hour-a-week contract because I didn't see then and I don't see now why work should prevent you from having an engaged and active family life. And equally, I didn't see then and I don't see now why having a family should restrict your ability to find interesting and challenging work that suits your skills and abilities. So actually, I've never worked a conventional full-time week since 1994. I've done job split, I've job shared, I've, re- I've con- consistently worked reduced hours. And so I suppose what I would say is that my passion is to make the kinds of choices which have benefited me and my family and the organisation which employs me available to everyone. And my role as chief executive here at Working Families enables me to engage in every aspect of the work which Working Families does. I couldn't agree more. And maybe just explain a little bit to listeners what is Working Families? Well, Working Families is a UK charity um, and we want to change the world of work so that it works for everybody and for every organisation. There are three main service strands. The first is our legal advice service. That's a free legal service that's delivered by phone and by email. And we help about 3,000 parents and carers every year. We'd do far more than that if we had the funding to be open uh, for longer through the week. 
about half of those we call have got issues around pregnancy and maternity. About a third have got questions and difficulties around flexible working and about a quarter are asking us about in-work benefits. And you get quite an overlap between those three categories, obviously. And we also provide lots of information about employment rights and flexible working on our website. Then the second strand of our work is working with employers. This is about making collective change. So if, if somebody calls the legal advice service and we can sort, sort their problem out, we've made, we've made a change in one person's life. But what we want to do is work with the organisations to try and make change for everybody that's systemic. And so we're helping our employer members to turn work life and family-friendly policies into effective practice. So helping them move towards high performance via great employment practice. And to do that, we have a robust benchmark we recognise best practice via annual awards and basically we've got a great network of leading edge employers in, in the UK. And then the third strand is research and policy work. And that's really about moving thinking, moving the agenda along. Um, so we do an annual survey of parents, which is called the Modern Families Index, as well as doing work that's much more focused on the workplace. So, for example, we published a review of shared parental leave practice. Um, or we did some research into the impact of work onto personal relationships and then also the impact of the strength or, or robustness of personal relationships onto uh, work performance. Um, and then we also pull together or coordinate a group called the Families and Work Group. That's about a loose coalition of about 30 voluntary sector organisations and trade unions who are interested in that overlap between work and family life. And there we're working with policymakers. So we had a lot of input, for example, into the development of shared parental leave. And more recently, we've been giving evidence to Parliament on the gender pay gap and on maternity discrimination. So those really are the th sort of the three the three legs of the milking stool, if you like, which together give us a really holistic understanding of work life balance in the UK, both from the family perspective, the employer perspective and the policymakers perspective. Thank you very much. And just as we were discussing in our pre-podcast conversation, I mean, I've been following the wonderful work you're doing since 2011. And, and I can only encourage everybody to go and, and have a look at your website if they haven't done so yet, because there's just such a wealth of information and based on real research and evidence. So it's absolutely worth keeping an eye on it. Now, maybe if, if you'd like, we could zoom in a little bit on this shared parental leave because of course it's 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 a, mm -hmm. a, a policy experiment in the making it has been now one year old and i i've seen you have published in january a policy brief about it as well and i have heard you a number of times on the bbc and other shows throughout the unfolding of the the leave implementation so i'm, I'm very curious about different aspects of that. But before we do, I just wanted to share with you that also the OECD has published just now in March a policy brief actually on parental leave, where are the fathers? Uh, this seems to be maybe the holy grail of work-life balance, the fathers. And one sentence struck me and I just wanted to share that with you. They say only the most committed and the bravest use their rights. Oh, is that depressing? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so there's been so many newspaper articles about this famous 1% that have taken up. So maybe just um, going gradually, maybe step by step. So um, can you just very briefly explain to our international listeners 
What is shared parental leave? Okay, shared parental leave is neither shared nor parental, but it is leave. It is essentially a transferable maternity leave. So in the UK, a mother has 52 weeks of maternity leave available to her, 39 weeks of which are paid. What the government wanted to do, this is the previous coalition government, they wanted to create a mechanism to encourage more fathers to take time off um, during the first year of the child's life. Um, and this was based on a desire to strengthen family lives. I think there's plenty of evidence that shows that the more time a father um, spends at home early on in a child's life, the more robust and, and resilient the couple's relationship is likely to be, the more he as a father will be involved in the care of the child as the child gets older. Um, and there was also a hope that by doing this, um, it would be, um, it would normalise uh, the taking of leave by parents so that there would be less discrimination against women in the workforce related to their maternity um, role because, as you may well know, uh, publication last year by the Equality and Human Rights Commission showed that around about 54,000 women a year lose their jobs in the UK because they are pregnant or on maternity leave. So that was the original driver for the, the policy. The way it has been structured is that the mother um, has the uh, right to curtail her leave. So that doesn't mean she has to stop it, but she has to tell her employer that she's not going to take the full 52 weeks, and so there's a chunk left over. And that chunk is then available for the father of the child or, or, the, or the primary, the secondary um, parent of the child to take instead. Um, and if there is any pay left over, so if the woman were to go to work, back to work, say, after 26 weeks, then there would still be 13 weeks of statutory pay at £138 a week left for that um, father to take so it's it's I think when when it was introduced we could see that it wasn't what we wanted which is an independent and paid right for fathers but we could see that it is kind of going with the grain of family life if, if the, what the modern families index um, tells us is that younger couples have an expectation of equality both at home and at work so they they assume and expect that the father will be able to take some time off and that he'll be able to work flexibly and, and you know, just be active in a way that a previous generation of fathers have not been in the home. And they also expect that the woman will be able to continue at work, continue building her career. So in that sense, the idea of a, a transferable approach to maternity seemed as though it was worth, worth a go. And certainly you know, talking to parents, it, people get it. You know, it makes sense um, that if it can be made possible, the big the big issue um, in any parent polling is about pay um, because mm. very hard for a young couple to sacrifice two lots of salary, particularly as even now, although about 50% of couples, um, they earn the same or she earns more, um, it's less so when couples are younger he's still likely to be the major earner and so you're still being forced to make financial decisions which will then have a, a long-term knock-on effect um, on the family and particularly the mother's career path um, anyway so yeah so fathers and, and mothers were worried about the cost or not being able to afford it um, there was also worry and still is worry about effect on careers. So that perhaps is where the OECD, you know, where they're talking about people have to be committed and brave to take it. Some fathers might agree with that. Um, and 
I think there's also just a worry that it is it has been set up as a very, very complicated um, piece of, of, of regulation. It's hard to work out. Only 60% of fathers are eligible. Um, the rules are fairly contorted. Um, employers also struggle with its complexity. So that's, that's what it is. Um, so it's not the Scandinavian type where you have a pre-allocated time for the mother and a separate allocated time for father and then one part which is up to them, up to the parents to decide whether they take it at the same time or whether they one or after the other. Not at all. No. And we mm. so this is this is solely the mother's and it's for her to transfer. And we know that from polling is It's pretty, pretty steadily showing there's about 20% of women who say, I don't want to give up any of my maternity leave, you know. So I think there's always that. And, and, and equally, there are still going to be... I mean, I think another thing to explain about it, um, one of the good things that... There are many good things about shared parental leave. I've, I've been giving you the negatives, but let, let me tell you some of the good things. It has been mm -hmm. embraced by employers. Those employers who are well-developed in their thinking about work-life balance and flexibility, and particularly about gender equality, have um, seen the opportunity. And what they've done is they've matched their contractual maternity pay to a new offering around shared parental leave. So that means that for many fathers uh, working in those leading edge organisations, as long as they're eligible, um, whatever the woman gets who is an employee of that organisation, he will get as well. So, for example, um, the American Bank City, they give their women 26 weeks on full pay. So if you're a father at City and you want to take up to 26 weeks leave during the first year of your child's life, you have got 26 weeks on full pay to take advantage of. So that mm. that has been really encouraging. Some employers have tied it to the date of the birth of the child. That's made it much more restrictive. So they've said, yes, you can have, you know, we'll match what we're offering our women, um, but you've got to take it within the same period that she receives it. So there's a sense of both of those approaches about are about uh, creating equality of treatment in the workplace. Um, but you can see that one is more generous and flexible than the other. Um, and I, th I suspect what we'll be seeing as we begin to track the development of this more accurately is that those organisations who are saying to the fathers, you can take this leave and we'll pay you whenever in the year, we'll be seeing a, a greater take up than those who are saying you've got, to, you've got to take it at the start. Of course, it's always easier to find companies who have embraced it and understand why they have. But um, did you have any sense of maybe the fears um, that employers had before or, or those employers that have still been reluctant to really promote it inside the organization, communicate about it, make fathers and parents uh, aware of their rights? I think that I didn't pick up a huge level of fear. Mm -hmm. I think the general opinion was that there wasn't going to be much take up. Um, and so although there was one, I shall not name him, one um employer, the, the head of a, an employer body who said that he thought this would be a disaster for British business because it would mean that highly valued employees took time out of the workforce as though the female employees taking time out already were not highly valued. But there you go. <laughs> um, but essentially what, where employers have found it challenging is the complexity. Um, mm -hmm. And then what we've seen when we've talked to employers about what you're doing about it, those who are worried about cost 
are simply not promoting it because and they can and they're very you know safe for them to do that because there there isn't a, a great rush to take it up so you've got a lot that i would say the vast majority of uk employers are just saying well here's a new right um and we won't mention it and not many people will will be very interested mm. um but i mean i think perhaps we should perhaps we should tackle this one percent figure that is being bandied yes. around Let's, let's look at that one. So this was a piece of research that was published a couple of weeks ago that was widely covered um, in the media, this finding that only 1% of fathers had taken up the new right. Um, the business department had anticipated between 2 and 8% being the likely take-up. Um, our employers who are paying shared parental leave are expecting to, to be closer to 30. Mm-hmm. So you can imagine we were all rather disheartened at the 1%. However, when you actually look at what they asked, what they asked was, what percentage of your male employees, your male workforce has taken shared parental leave? And not surprisingly, the answer was, well, not very many, because most male employees don't become fathers. Yeah. So it was about as as useful a statistic as being able to tell us that three or 4% of all women employed in the UK took maternity leave last year, and therefore clearly women aren't very interested in it. (laughs) In maternity, yeah. (laughs) But unfortunately, this is now baked in. This is what Mm. people say, oh, shared parental leave's not working. If you dug into the that particular report they'd also this this was they talked to 200 employers so that's where they got their one percent figure from they also spoke to about a thousand parents of whom about a hundred were fathers who'd become a father in the previous year and of that small sample about 30 percent had taken shared parental leave and there was another survey that was published at the same time by a jobs board called totaljobs.com um, and they'd also spoken to about a thousand parents, and they also came up with their subsample of new fathers, about thirty percent saying they'd taken shared parental leave. So it it looks as though under the surface and and unsurveyed, if you like, take up is much higher than we'd anticipated. And what we don't know how many weeks people are taking. Um, and what we suspect is the answer is probably not terribly many. What we thought we were going to see, because the, one of the brilliant things, I think, that makes shared parental leave very, very different from most forms of uh, parental leave is that the father can take it simultaneously to the mother's maternity leave. Mm-hmm. So we, what we expected to see was couples choosing to have a chunk of time together when the baby's first born. So maybe the father who gets two weeks paternity leave paid for by the state in the UK, we thought perhaps he would tack another four weeks or so on at that point and have a month or a bit longer um, off with the new baby. And then we thought that there might be interest in taking some time when the mother returns to work. It, the indications are that that's actually, that latter pattern is where, where there's real popularity and we're seeing quite a lot of anecdotal stories of fathers are taking around about a month at the time that the mother goes back to work to ease in the transition for her to work and, and for child the child to child care. I have looked more in depth into the Austrian shared parental leave um, uh, information on the Austrian Family Ministry's website and it's so incredibly complicated that even you know being a work-life geek uh, it, it it's not that obvious so so I can understand that you know, when you're having a baby, when you're becoming a young family, there's so many obstacles and, and 
things to tackle and you're just so consumed with actually becoming a parent and putting the well-being of your newborn first and also to to tackle so did you see a, a rise in in the queries at your legal service was this something that that uh, members were, were and families were actively trying to understand very much so and i thought that was a very strong indication of yeah. the interest and also of the to 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 be fair to the government they did a real strong communications push around it um, and it really we saw the saw the queries shooting up because it, there was a much unloved and neglected predecessor called additional paternity leave which allowed <laughs> fathers to take some leave after the mother returned to work um, which was I don't I, I really think hardly anyone took it at all and we had very very few queries about that um, but lots and lots of queries about shared parental leave. And partly it's about eligibility, partly it's because it's not a day one. For the father, it's not a day one right. There's a long um, lead time to, to give notice to take it. It's the, the notice periods that are, are, are one of the most complicated things for parents to get their heads around. But nevertheless, there's a, I think there's a high level of awareness. People know that it's there and they'd like to find out, you know, if it can be made to work for them. When we talk about these kind of issues, especially around um, masculinity, this new kind of masculinity, reinventing what it means to be a working mom, a working dad, especially for the younger generations. Quite a few of our podcast guests, they would say that there needs to be strong role models. And we have seen this in the US, you know, when they're struggling with their own paid parental leave policies that Uh, some, you know, uh, baseball player would come up and reject a contract or, or, or just actively take leave. And so th did you have this kind of uh, role modeling, some someone who would take it up as a kind of a flagship, you know, that I'm a man and I have taken this? Or is this something that perhaps is, is missing? I think it's happening. I think Sport, sports stars are a good example. I mean, we saw Andy Murray making a great deal of the fact he was about to come, become a father and saying that he would have flown home from the from the Australian Open if, if he'd needed to be there for the birth of his baby. And last year we've had cricketers, you know, going home from international tours because their wives were about to give birth. So that, so I think that's a, that's a very useful cultural role modeling that's going on. Just again, showing you that there's an expectation of equality and sharing uh, among couples of that generation. What you're actually seeing in the workplace, I think we've had some very interesting case studies and blogs and interviews. There's one on our website from, from a young father who works for a city law firm, um, where they are saying that, yes, I mean, I think they do understand that they're role models. Because, and, and, and that's really important because what you're wanting to see in your workplace is someone like you. And we've known that it's important for women. I mean, we've always said for women to have the confidence to rise up through their career, they've got to be able to look up through the organization and see someone who looks like them. Um, and that's why very senior role models are not actually always that useful because you can look at somebody who's on a multi-million pound contract and is absolutely flying and you can look at them and say, well, she's probably got three nannies and a house husband mm. and that's not my life. And so it's going to be equally important for, for young fathers to look around their workplace and see men at different stages in their careers who have taken shared parental leave. And I think that ties in with the um, investment that the leading companies are making in communication, because it's really important for the organization to make it clear, not just that the right exists, 
but that fathers are positively encouraged to take it. Um, and that is what we've seen in some, some of the organisations we work with, is fantastic communication campaigns. And then once people have taken it, they are then, you know, blogging and, and being written up and, and promoted within their organisations as the, the early adopters of shared parental leave to make it okay for other people to do it. So really to try and tr tackle that notion that you've got to be committed or brave. Um, actually, all you've got to be prepared to do is be a little bit different, um, you know, be the, be the first person to do it in your team or your department. Um, Wonderful. And that way, yeah. Yes, this is, I, I think this is so touching as well. And and I think this, you know, just as we say that um, there needs to be a critical mass of women on boards to make it a diversity of women who are on board. So it's not just the woman and then if, if she is coming from a very different uh, schooling or upbringing or, you know, then you cannot relate. So there needs to no. be a diversity of women trailblazers, just as there needs to be a diversity of new dads trailblazers who, you know, someone can find someone who they can relate to and not just one person who will think, oh, well, I'll never be like that. So I think the other important thing for employers to think about is don't just communicate so that you get a, a cohort of fathers taking the leave. I think it's then going to be really important to track their experience. Mm. So make sure that their re-entry to work and their continued career paths are not negatively affected by the fact they've taken a career break. I think there's so much to learn from the mistakes that have been made around women and women returning to work. And there's so much that's going to be transferable. Um, between you know men and women so that you can as a business actually get your returner program absolutely pegged down make sure that your line managers are properly trained to understand that men and women are likely to want to take a break from work when a, a child is born and that they need to be encouraged and supported to do that they need to be kept in touch with appropriately while they're away and they need to be fully supported and communicated with once they're back um, so that their career remains on track. Absolutely. This is such very, very important advice um, and insight that you have just given. So unfortunately, time is running always way too quickly on the podcast. So um, I just wanted to also say to listeners that in the show notes, we will put all the links to working families and how they can get in touch with your organization and, and Sarah. And so coming now to the last question, which is always the same, if I can ask you to give one advice to a CEO to ensure that in his or her organization, employees have a much better work-life balance and work experience where they can really um, blend it or integrate it with their, with their happy and healthy family lives, what would be your advice that you think most important? I think the one thing I would like CEOs to think about is remembering that there are two currencies which families and businesses need to thrive. There's money and there's time. And so you should be budgeting in both currencies and you should be rewarding in both currencies. Thank you so much, Sarah. Jackson, it has been a real pleasure and a great honor to have you on our podcast. And I am looking forward to following what's happening with the Shared Parental Leave and best of success for your work. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure.